That's right, it is colder than a dead witch's titty and a brass brassiere outside here in Ohio. Alright, I mean, it's not like crazy, crazy cold, but I mean, considering the fact that we just recently had temperatures in the mid to high 60s or even 70s, yeah, it's cold. It was snowing on my drive home from the school today, and on the Sunday after I record this episode, we have a high at like 28 degrees during the day. Does anyone need any glass cut? You can use my nipples. So, just a quick update on my health, I am feeling better. I'm still a little stuffy, a little bit congested, nothing major. I do still have a little bit of a dry, nagging cough, but it's dry. There's not really much coming out. I'm also officially about three days removed from having taken any kind of medication, daytime or nighttime. So definitely on the mend and it feels good to be able to breathe again and not feel like I'm dying. I want to remind everybody that this is going to be another best of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast episode. Last week was also a best of episode, I believe episodes 52 through 74 and then this will be a best of up through episode 97 and then next week we will be doing the 100th special anniversary episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Also, this episode, this particular one right here, is coming out the week of Thanksgiving. Now, because I did a Thanksgiving special last year, not bothering to do a Thanksgiving special this year, because it would just be rehashing a lot of the same shit. However, it was a very fun, informative, and funny episode last year for Thanksgiving, so I would encourage all of you in the holiday spirit to go sift back through the list of Jeff Becomes Jeff podcasts and find the Thanksgiving special 2021 episode and give Give that a listen. Before we get into our best of special here, leading up to the 100th episode of Jeff Becomes Jeff, I want to remind everybody that you can follow me on social media on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Jeff Becomes Jeff. So without further ado, let's get to the best of episodes 75 through 97 of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. But the first 10 amendments in the Constitution essentially were what became the Bill of Rights. And let's talk about these amendments. And keep in mind, when you're writing this out, you have to imagine that the people that wrote this were doing it based on priority. Like, the First Amendment is the most important. Second one is the second most important. And so on and so on. Keep that in mind. So, what is the First Amendment about? If you said free speech, you're kind of right. Actually, the First Amendment primarily is about religion. We want to say that we think it's about free speech and free press, but that was a secondary piece of language in the First Amendment. And back then, there weren't really a whole lot of religions represented in America. These were all European Christians that had come over, so this was all about a Christian God. And probably a lot of these guys didn't know that this was going to come back and bite them in the ass later with Jews and Muslims and whatnot. So primarily, First Amendment, the priority, 
party is about protecting religion. Let's not forget from last week's episode that, if I remember correctly, 53% of Americans in this day and age do not consider themselves to be of a specific religion. So already that First Amendment and what it was based on doesn't apply to the majority of the country. But back then, that was the priority. So the Second Amendment, obviously we're going to talk about this in more detail later because we've already been talking about the basis of this episode being those school shootings. But the Second Amendment is about guns and the right to own and carry guns. But again, going to discuss that a little more later. We'll leave it at that for now. But look at the priority. Amendment 1, God. Amendment 2, guns. The Third Amendment and the third priority is keeping the government from quartering troops in private homes. Yes, that is the third priority. We're not going to allow America from letting troops stay in Jeff's house without his permission. Yay! That is the third priority. How big of a fucking problem was this back then that that was the third priority? Let's not forget this is the third priority only after God and guns. The Fourth Amendment was protecting against search and seizure, illegal search and seizure. Well, let's point out that it's only illegal until a legal official says, It's okay. Then you have no fucking rights. Someone knocks on your door with a search warrant. Nothing you can do about it. Matter of fact, you don't even need to open the door. They'll break that shit down. Search and seizure, completely okay. As long as a legal entity and political figure approves it. But I want you to look at that and understand that your rights, even though that's your right in the Fourth Amendment, it can also be taken away by the language in the Fourth Amendment. So that's really not a right. It's a circumstance. The Fifth Amendment is going to be due process in a trial. This would also include double jeopardy, so you can't be prosecuted or tried for the same offense twice. It also gives you the right to remain silent. That's why you hear people always say in court, I plead the Fifth. It means I'm not going to say anything because it might incriminate me, and we allow you to do that. The Sixth Amendment is a right to a speedy trial. Also allows you to be informed of what you're being tried with. What? Why does this need put in there? We're we're trying people up to this point without them even knowing what the fuck they're being tried for? That's stupid. And it also gives you the ability to confront your accuser in a court of law. You can't handle the truth! The Seventh Amendment says civil cases have the right to a jury trial. The Eighth Amendment prohibits excessive bail fines and cruel and unusual punishment. Once again, let's go back to things that are subjective. Cruel and unusual punishment? Subjective. But really, when it boils down to it, Amendments 5 through 8 are all specific to discipline, trials, and jailing. And the Fourth Amendment kind of falls in there because it's what, you know, the seizure and search that allows you to then be on trial. So kind of going in order, we have God, guns, not letting troops stay in your house without permission, illegal search and seizure until the law says it's legal, and then a bunch of shit regarded to trial and discipline. The Ninth Amendment, this is a silly one, says you have more rights than just the ones listed in the Constitution. Seems kind of like a waste of an amendment. Rule six, there is now 
rule six. Hey, I know we listed some stuff here, but you got more rights than that. We're just not gonna write them down. We prefer for it to be a little vague. It's how we roll. And the 10th Amendment basically says that if they didn't put a rule in the Constitution from a federal perspective, then as a state, you have the right to add more rules. You just can't change or deny the ones that the federal government has instituted. So it's like trickle-down government. And also ensures that federally, the government can make holistic rules that everyone has to abide by, even if 100% of the people in any given state said, no, we don't agree with this federal law, doesn't matter. State can't go against the federal law. But for all the rules that the federal government decides not to enforce, the state can add all kinds of extra shit. One thing I did put on here that I think was funny, and this almost kind of is indicative of the relationship that we have. So this would have been very early in 2020. Okay. I went through a breakup with a girl that yeah. I was I was just pissed that I had ever allowed myself <laughs> yeah. to be in that relationship at all. And, you know, you guys were nice enough during the relationship to not really vocalize the fact that you didn't care for her. Um, but do you remember the night of the breakup? I'm sitting downstairs on the couch. You guys are upstairs. Do you remember... What you did to try and make me feel better. I don't. You guys wrote a little note on a paper, piece of paper, folded it into a paper airplane like you were afraid to actually come ask me, hey, do you want to play some games, <laughs> I think is what it said on it. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there on the couch watching TV and this paper airplane flies into the room. I'm like, what the hell? So I went and opened it and it's just, I could hear you guys down the hallway giggling. Yep. <laughs> And it just said, you want to play some games? Yeah, I think it was like board games. Yeah, like yeah. so we just had a game night. And yeah. I think it's because you guys thought that maybe I was sad and upset because of the breakup. And what you didn't realize is I was like, praise Jeebus. <laughs> I, uh, I'm yeah. so glad this is over. I think I was the main one that was trying to get in between you two, though. I remember there was one time we were all out eating at like McDonald's or something. And then you kept bringing up like times from our past that were really innocent and then i would just flood in with like the yeah but then this would happen or like he had me record a movie about how my butthole died right well and, then and because she was throw her off guard she would act like she was all goody two shoes yeah. and super christian and stuff even though when we're not going to name her i don't want to bash her too much because yeah. people who know me know her um but she is a, for the sake of this podcast like voldemort where she is not to be named <laughs> <laughs> But what would you say, like, off the top of your head, if you had to pick, like, so, like, say you were writing a eulogy, and say you were writing a eulogy that you were following a fill-in-the-blank, like, like, like template. Like, yeah, but it was like a template, and then you would add things, and it oh, was, okay. my favorite memory with my dad was. Hmm. Honestly, I'd have to say, uh, I don't know which year, but it was New Year's Eve, okay. and you and I were playing Black Ops 1 Zombies for like three hours on oh, end, yeah. and we got to like level 100 or something, and then we both sprinted out into the living room, the ball dropped, and we both screamed and shouted, <laughs> and then we were just on this hype train of New Year's, and we made it so far in Call of Duty, right? and that was really fun. Okay, yeah, and I, for everyone out there, I suck at shooting games. So I'm not gonna lie, you were kind of carrying though. Uh, I wasn't carrying us. Uh, okay, you were you were always carrying us. I was just starting to get better to where well, I feel like you, you. I wasn't constantly laying there going, Skyler, <laughs> Skyler, come, come, I'm over here. Bring me back to life. Well, I think <laughs> I think it just compared to anyone else I played with because it was either uh, it was either Will, you, or uh, Zoe, and Zoe was just god awful, and right. so. 
compared to her, playing with you was definitely way better. Because, like, as we would go on, you could at least learn right. and get better as we went on. So, like, each round you were doing something better. And uh, I remember eventually I, learned, I taught you how to train the zombies, how to just get them in a circle. And then at one point, I'd turn around and I'm up on a staircase. And uh, I look down <laughs> and you're just running in circles <laughs> with this huge mob of zombies. And you're just screaming, help, help, help. And I'm like, turn around and shoot them. And you're like, I don't have ammo. So I just threw a bunch of grenades. And then I, you saw me throwing grenades. So you're like, oh, smart. So you threw a grenade and you downed yourself. <laughs> that sounds about right. I may have even put in there like what my wishes are as far as like being buried versus cremated. Do you have a guess what I would want? I feel like, I don't know. To me, I feel like you would do neither. Like just knowing <laughs> how you are, I feel like you would just be like, yeah, you could just do whatever. You could just put me in a bag. Put me on a, a floating funeral pyre and push me out. And then, <laughs> and then shoot it yeah, with Yeah, shoot flames. the flaming arrows like yeah, uh, Tandy. Like, yeah. <laughs> the Viking funeral. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, ideally I would want to just be cremated because I think it's oh, okay. ridiculous for people to take up space in the earth and the price of tombstones yeah, at thousands there. of dollars a pop. It's, it's ridiculous. So, and I don't, I don't know that I have a place where I would want you to sprinkle ashes. I probably, it's been two years almost since I wrote this and it's sealed. So I don't remember remember what I put, um, but my guess is you guys just pick what you want to do with it. I kind of, no, I don't, that wouldn't fit all of it. Oh, well, I was going to say, uh, I could hollow out the uh, Charlie figure that you have. Uh -huh. the, and uh, put ashes in the head or something. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Or you could actually take me to like a taxidermist. And you could oh. have me stuffed with like glass <laughs> eyes put in, oh. in like some weird position. Uh. And... <laughs> <laughs> and then just put me in the corner of your apartment. <laughs> oh, God. Like a cardboard hang, cutout. Hang coats on my hands and stuff. <laughs> You're just waving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like someone walks in. I bring a girl home and they're like, oh, who's that? Oh, that's my dad. Yeah. Oh, why is he just standing there? He's dead. <laughs> See you later, Skylar. It's nice knowing you. I'll put a voice box in. There you go. That would be awesome. What if I did the uh, voice box for the little girl, the doll, that like whenever you walk past it, it just makes like creepy noises? Well, you could steal clips from the podcast yes. of ridiculous cuck cuck, like little things. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, at one point, uh, oh, instead of getting stuffed, I feel like at this point we'll probably have like more robotics in in lifetime okay. so, so i'm gonna be like a Chuck E. cheese band member kind of and then like anytime someone walks past you it's just gonna be a random sound and then the reason i said uh, i want you to be a robot is that way you can like put your hand up in a gun gesture and do the oh the, the gun yes, sound from the end of each episode yeah. all right good okay well <laughs> you guys get as creative as you want But, of course, the Biden administration is pointing the finger at Russia. Saying that a lot of this is a Russia tax or a Putin tax. Essentially saying that we're paying for the fact that Putin has gone to war with the Ukraine. Let me point out that Biden and his administration, they're the ones that turned off the spigot to get oil from Russia. Russia's not withholding that oil. We said, nope, we're not buying your oil. That is not a Putin tax, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, you can say, well, do you really think that it's okay, Jeff, to support a country that's going into Ukraine and killing innocent women and children all in the name of 
trying to prove that he has a bigger dick? No, I don't think that's cool, but we're not really taking any significant actions. I mean, if you think that just saying, we're not going to buy your oil anymore, that ain't that big of a deal, people. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's just hurting us here in America. It ain't hurting Putin that much. And honestly, our oil imports from Russia only account for like 8% of our total imported oil. So to say that that little 8% that we turned off the spigot on is the whole reason why our gas has more than doubled? Bull sugar. While we're speaking of imports from other countries of oil, well, a lot of you are probably thinking, you know, I'm guessing most of it comes from like Iraq or Iran, because that's where all the oil is. You would be incorrect. Actually leading the pack of countries that we import oil from at 51% is Canada. Geez, now that hoser's growling. Yeah. Take off, will you? We're doing our movie. Don't wreck our show, you hoser. Tied for second place is Mexico and Russia. Well, was Russia at 8%. Saudi Arabia at 5% and Colombia at 2%. Notice in that top five list... I didn't mention Iran or Iraq, but let's not forget that we don't only just import oil, we also export oil. That's right, we export a lot of oil to people, our domestic oil, like for example, 13% of our exported oil goes to Mexico, while 8% of our imported oil comes from Mexico. Does that just seem like a stupid fucking trade to you? Or maybe we just say we're not importing any oil from Mexico, and instead we'll just export the difference. That's like saying, I have a hundred jelly beans. Oh yeah, well I have 73 jelly beans. You wanna trade jelly beans every day? Just eat your own fucking jelly beans. Why are you doing the trade when it actually doesn't work out well for you? I will point out that some of the other countries that we export to, like India, 7% of our exports go to India. We're not getting dick from them from what I can see in the top five. 7% of our exported oil goes to China. China does not like us. Canada gets 10% of our oil. Again, you know, we're getting 51% of our imports from Canada. It just seems silly to offset imports and exports from certain countries. Why don't we just import less oil from Canada and just stop exporting oil to Canada? That seems like it would make more sense. If they have more oil now because we don't need as much from them, I'm sure they can find countries that will take it off their hands. I looked through a list of very popular Mother Goose nursery rhymes. Some of the most popular Mother Goose nursery rhymes would include Baba Black Sheep, Itsy Bitsy Spider, Hickory Dickory Dock, Humpty Dumpty. Jack and Jill, Jack be nimble, Little Bo Peep, Little Miss Muffet, London Bridge is falling down. That sounds horrifying, Jeff. Mary had a little lamb, and her vagina was never the same. Now I lay me down to sleep. We all think that that's like a prayer. It's not. It's a Mother Goose nursery rhyme. Ring around the Rosie, which also is kind of dark. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Roses are red. Row, row, row your boat. Starlight, star bright.
Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Let's look at some of the very popular Mother Goose nursery rhymes that, to me, sound a little X-rated. Dance to your daddy. Diddle diddle dumpling. Hot cross buns. Humpty Dumpty. Yes, that made both lists. Come on. I had a little nut tree. Jack Spratt. <laughs> little Jack Horner. Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater. Mm. Pop goes the weasel. Ride a cock horse to Banbury Cross. <laughs> Rub a dub dub. Wee Willy Winky. And Yankee Doodle. Let's talk about the 72 virgins, shall we? This one, oh boy, really fucking stupid. In the Islamic religion, martyring oneself in a jihad or, you know, essentially a war for your religion, when you die, you will be granted 72 virgins as a reward. Again, let's go back to Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny. It's all using incentives and happily ever after to get you to do something that your religion wants you to do or your society. I'd also like to point out that, you know, if you get up to heaven and you've got your 72 virgins and you're super horny, even if you only fuck one of your virgins every day, after 72 days, just over two months, you got a lot of worn out bitches for the rest of eternity. No more virgins. Uh, you know, virgins, that's only once. That hymen ain't growing back. So is that really much of a reward? Imagine you're fucking more than one of them a day. You want a threesome. Well, you just cut your time down until you got a bunch of worn out bitches. So while we're talking about fireworks, especially consumer fireworks, let's look at some really stupid fireworks accidents, okay? So this is based on a 2019 annual fireworks report by some governmental agency that tracks shit about fireworks. In 2019, there were 12 non-occupational deaths. So again, consumer-based. Just between June 21st and July 21st, there were 7,300 injuries related to fireworks. Children under 15 made up 36% of those injuries. And there were 900 emergency room visits related simply to sparklers. That's right. The boring-ass, shitty-ass sparklers that people, you know, light and then wave around. 900 ER visits for sparklers. We have a lot of morons in this country. Yay! So this report detailed the specifics of those 12 deaths. I'm not going to go through all of them. Just the ones I found the most entertaining. <laughs> So the first one, a 45-year-old male died after a 1.4G canister-style fireworks device. I don't really know what that means. I looked it up. It's not quite commercial grade, but it's still a big one. But it struck him in the chest. He was intoxicated with alcohol, of course. And the victim put the canister on his head and lit the fuse. I thought you said it hit him in the chest. I'm not finished. After putting it on his head like a moron, the mortar-style fireworks device fell forward and detonated, causing a penetrating arterial mortar wound. He died at the scene. 
All right, the next one. A 32-year-old male died after a lit Roman candle hit him in the chest and face. The victim was holding it in the air when it exploded and struck him in the face. When the paramedics arrived, he was in cardiac arrest. There were first-degree burns on his right forearm and bicep, a quarter-sized burn on his chest, and a dime-sized burn on his cheek. He was declared dead upon arriving to the hospital, and the cause of death was a blast injury due to fireworks explosion. Now, I'm going to disagree with the coroner here. He only had a dime-sized burn on his face and a quarter-sized burn on his chest. Most of the burns were on his arm. I'm pretty sure this dude, having been in cardiac arrest, basically had died of having the shit scared out of him when this happened. His heart said, what the fuck? And he died from fear. That's my guess. It doesn't sound like the physical injuries were enough to kill him. Next, a 61-year-old male died from a firework explosion to his chest. So he lit a mortar-style firework facing the wrong way and of course had been drinking all day and a witness claimed to have told the man that the firework was backwards and not to light it but you know he was like that's okay i'll do it anyway and of course the firework hit him directly in the chest and he died instantly we have a 53 year old male who died after being struck in the head with fireworks and he had been lighting fireworks in a half buried canister and one of the fireworks didn't detonate after he lit it so what did he do he went to the open end of the canister to check it it detonated and struck him in the face people are morons we have a 21 year old male and he and his brother were setting off mortar style fireworks i keep saying mortar type these are like the big tubes that shoot high up in the air and a mortar is more of a military term so just when you hear me say mortar it means a big boy But this guy and his brother were setting off mortar-style fireworks on the rooftop of an apartment building, at which point the victim grabbed one of the fireworks. We've seen this before. Don't hold the fireworks, you idiot. But he lifted it up over his head. It exploded, and he fell to the ground. The victim's brother noticed that his head was bleeding and tied his shirt around his brother's head to try to stop the bleeding. Yeah, that's going to work. His brother died. Well, it took five days for him to die but he died last but not least a 29 year old male died after holding a firework over his head when it exploded do you see a pattern here when the ambulance arrived the victim was in a supine position which means lying face up and he was missing a large section of his hand between his thumb and first finger that makes sense he also had a circular entry wound on his forehead and an exit wound on the back of his head needless to say He was taken to a hospital and died of his injuries. So let me just tell you, as you're celebrating the 4th of July, which granted this is coming out on actual 4th of July on a Monday after all of the celebrations took place, but keep this in mind for next year. Don't hold fireworks in your hand while you're igniting them. Don't put them on your head. Don't put them on your chest. Don't put them up your butt. Light it in a controlled environment and get the fuck out of the way. And for the 900 people who went to the ER because of sparkler issues, well, that's just, you know, the natural process of elimination.
right, so on to our topic, close calls. So I had this idea for an episode of the podcast a couple weeks ago. I was playing a gig. It was not one that was scheduled, but someone had canceled, and they called and asked, could I fill in? And I'm like, sure, I'm free, and it was good money. And I was about two hours into my three-hour set, and I'm sitting at the piano playing a song, and I have one of those moments where you have that just sharp pain in the core of your stomach and you know i need to shit right now but i was in the middle of a song and you know like i said i still had an hour left to perform i don't usually take breaks or if i do they're very short and about 20 minutes prior i had taken a quick little pee break i mean just enough to run to the men's room and run back to the stage so if now 20 minutes later i told them i need to go to the bathroom again it would have looked weird because they knew i had just peed and the fact that my pee would have taken 10 plus minutes it would have just drawn attention so i'm doing everything i can to just stifle this in in my stomach and I mean now I'm still working on this song on piano I am sweating profusely it is pouring down it's one of those types of shits that your body is just in full alarm mode <laughs> And I was pretty much afraid to like belt out any high notes because I'm like, oh no, I might sing a high note out of my mouth, but it might cause me to harmonize a low note out of my butthole. That was a wet harmony. So somehow I managed to get through the final hour. It kind of subsided and settled. And then I got up from the piano and finished my set on my guitar. And there were a few moments where I could feel that pain creeping back in. And I'm thinking, all right, if I can just make it through the hour, if I have to, I'll go in the men's room and I'll shit before. I tear down and drive home and I had about a 30 minute drive home but I am not a fan of using public restrooms especially for shitting I don't even like using a restroom in a place of employment let alone in a bar for a dookie so I completed my set and at that point you know I wasn't having any urgent shit pains so I tore down my stuff as fast as possible I loaded up got in my van and started the drive home and I'm like well you know it's a very rural drive home there's not really a whole lot of anything any place to stop so if i was gonna have to shit between the bar and the house it was gonna be just you know in the weeds on the side of a highway Luckily, because these are rural highways, there's not really much in the way of streetlights, so I would have been shadowed, but it's not my ideal way to release the demon. And for the most part, while I did feel the occasional churning in my stomach on the drive home, I made it home, but I think it was like my body knew as soon as I made it home, I'm close to the toilet, and boy, did I feel that kick in fast. <laughs> I fled from the van, rushed into the house, rushed upstairs to my master bedroom, bathroom, and it was one of those situations where as I had just lowered my pants and was beginning to lower my ass to the seat, it was already game on. So that was a close call. So upon arriving at their house, Brandon informed me that he had some old couches that were in the garage and that he was going to be cutting them in half with a chainsaw and then throwing them on the bonfire he was planning later in the evening. Now, his logic for cutting them in half was basically that carrying them to the bonfire, which was, I don't know, maybe at least 60 yards. And, you know, he basically said, you know, it's going to be a lot easier if they're in two pieces. Now, I, I think pretty much Brandon wanted an excuse to get his chainsaw out and cut some shit in half. And again, in 
theory, you know, his explanation about them being lighter in two pieces made sense. But given how heavy these couches were, I'm going to say that even half a couch was pretty heavy. And now it was maybe perhaps more dangerous to try to carry because it had all this exposed lumber and springs and shit like that hanging out from being chopped in half with a chainsaw. So it was probably around 6 o'clock, I'd been there for a few hours, that the plan officially started to come to fruition as Brandon realized, I better do this before I'm too many beers in. At this point, he's already talking about, well, I might need the Sawzall as well, and I'm thinking, maybe, you know, adding more saws to this plan is not the right idea. But of course, when the time came, you know, I went around to where the garage was, I helped them get the couches from the garage into the front yard, where they would be executed and halved. I'm, I'm, I'm halved! Oh, we should listen to Paul! Dewey, I'm cutting half pretty bad. One thing that completely freaked me out, and I voiced this, was that Brandon, as he's priming the chainsaw, was standing there in a t-shirt, shorts, and flip-flops. I'm like, maybe you should go put on some actual shoes. Not sure that trying to cut through a couch laying on the ground where the chainsaw is going to be inches from your feet at the bottom point of the couch. I don't know. Just didn't seem like it was a very smart idea. But he continuously reassured me, I know what I'm doing. I know how to use a chainsaw. Which I trusted that he did. This was probably just more the dad in me. Like, I hated watching my kids run down the sidewalk in flip-flops because I just thought, you know, the flip-flop was going to fold under itself. They were going to just scrape or stub a toe, maybe rip a toenail off. I just always seemed like it was going to end in disaster. Never did, but felt that way. So all of this starts, and I'm I'm standing a pretty decent distance away. I don't know what's in this couch, what's going to fly away. Are there steel brackets that's going to cause the couch to seize? or do anything, so I was being a little bit of a puss, but Brandon was in fact very handy with the chainsaw and very successful at cutting them in half, and after getting all the way through every side of the first couch, Brandon just stands up and yells, half couch, which would then turn into me saying for the rest of the evening, hashtag half couch, and I even posted pictures online using the hashtag half couch. A freeloader is someone who essentially wants free shit that they haven't earned and they're not entitled to. Lots of examples of freeloaders, like one of them would be the people, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but say you're at a gas station pumping gas and someone comes up and says, hey man, my uh, my car ran out of gas about a mile up the road. I just, if you got a buck, two bucks, whatever, I just, I, I need a little bit of money so I can get some gas. I know what you're doing, you piece of shit. You didn't run out of gas up the road. This is a scam. This is freeloading. You are going around. You're hanging out at the gas station, walking up, giving everyone the same sob story until you have amassed enough money to go buy whatever fucking drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, or whatever bullshit that you're actually going to purchase with my funds. That one or two dollars that I'm going to give you, that'll add up with the next guy, and the guy after that, and the guy after that, and the lady after that. 
obviously you you know have your basic panhandlers or people who just stand on the street or on the corner of an intersection with some sign that they're homeless or they're a veteran and they just need a little money god bless when i drive to the school every day and this is actually a pretty nice area when i get off the freeway onto a main road again a very nice area very close to a relatively high-end shopping complex there is always this one couple standing on that corner holding up a sign they take turns whether it's the man or the woman granted you know i haven't seen them up close but i would imagine looking at them from a distance that they might have three or four teeth combined between the two of them probably from their crystal meth habit no doubt but so many times when i've been leaving the school and driving back toward the freeway i've seen the lady walking back toward the corner where the man is standing and she's got her arms full of of like sodas and drinks and things from the nearest gas station. Or sometimes I just see them standing at the corner looking at their cell phone or smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, I know. It seems a little fucked up. Cigarettes right now are, at least in Ohio, I'm guessing somewhere around like eight bucks a pack. If you cannot afford a home and you're asking for money from strangers at the corner of a freeway intersection, maybe you shouldn't have a ciggy in your mouth. Or maybe you shouldn't have a cell phone plan where you're texting people. You know, back when I was in my 20s, I was very broke at times and I had to go without a lot of things. I would have electricity cut off. I would have my phone cut off. I still had a home, but I had to forego certain amenities. So I would imagine if you can't even have a home, you almost definitely should not have amenities like cigarettes and cell phones. And I've been at the school for six months and those people are there every single day. So clearly they They've not taken the money that they've made on the corner and actually turned it into a home, which just reiterates the idea that they're not taking your money for the sake of what their sign says they need it for. Speaking of butthole waxing, so talking about women's waxing, I would assume that the majority of waxing that is done for women would have to do with eyebrows, pubes, buttholes. In fact, from what I could find online, the full Brazilian is the most commonly requested waxing procedure for women. And if you're not sure what a full Brazilian is per se, what I found as a quote from Women's Health Magazine online is that it includes everything in the front, including the bikini line and labia if you're not sure what a labia is that would be a pussy lip all the way to the butt strip the butt strip what a weird phrase the butt strip and really how common is it for unruly butt hair in women i mean i'm a pretty hairy man and even i wouldn't consider myself to have unruly butt hair well butt hole hair i've been in many long-term relationships with women that never got waxed and never had any issue with them having unruly butthole hair and it's just such an odd procedure to get done i mean other than like porn stars or butthole models if there is such a thing even if a woman did have unruly butthole hair what are the circumstances where this routine waxing procedure would be necessary kind of seems like a little bit of a scam perpetrated by the waxing community to get women to go through excruciating pain on a regular basis and paying a lot of money mind you for something that no one is ever going to notice let alone appreciate not even themselves they're not seeing their own butthole 
but 69% of Americans considered to be overweight. Now, of course, in that 69%, that is including the 40% of obese people because obese people are also overweight, just more so. But when trying to figure out what is obese, what is overweight, you know, many of you may already know this, but this is all based on what's called BMI, body mass index. So if your BMI is over 25, you are overweight. If your BMI is over 30, you are obese, sir. If you're between 18 to 25, you are considered healthy. If your BMI is below 18, you need to get off the crack or the meth and find yourself a sandwich. So while I have always been aware of the fact that BMI is essentially how they determine whether you are overweight, obese, healthy, whatever, because I remember back when the Wii, the Nintendo Wii came out, remember they had that scale that you would step onto and it would tell you what your BMI was. And unfortunately, the Wii would make your player fatter or thinner based on your BMI. That was kind of, you know, a little body shaming there. Thank you, Nintendo. But despite knowing that BMI was the primary factor in establishing whether you are overweight, obese, healthy, etc. I didn't know how to calculate BMI, so I decided I'm going to look it up for the sake of this podcast episode. You're welcome. And let me tell you, it's a very confusing formula, and it's probably the reason why most people don't know how to calculate their BMI. Now, it's a little less confusing if you live outside of the United States and you use kilograms and meters to measure your weight and your height, because that was the first result I found as far as how to calculate it was that it was essentially your weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters. But I'm like, well, wait a minute. Now I need a special conversion chart to convert inches to meters and pounds to kilograms. And then I have to use this special. That's a lot of work. So then I did a new Google search, how to measure BMI in pounds and came up with the result that let me know how to do that. And essentially it just adds one step, a multiplication of 703 to the final result, which somehow manages to convert all of that Euro shit into pounds and inches. So the final formula that I came up with was my weight in pounds divided by my height in inches squared. So times itself, take that result and multiply it by 703. Based on all of those results, my current BMI is, drumroll please, 31.2. That's right. Fatty, fatty Jeff, fatty, fatty two by four, Jeffy Big Tits is obese, ladies and gentlemen. Oh yeah, the chicks, the Dixie Chicks. I had completely forgotten that the Dixie Chicks had changed their name in the past. And I knew it probably had something to do with not wanting to sound racist because the word Dixie sounds Southern. And there's been a lot of, you know, things with Black Lives Matters in the last several years that could cause people to feel like they need to be a little bit more tender in their word choices. Your words hurt me so much. But I did a little research, surprise, surprise, and it looks like that the Dixie Chicks changed their name on June 25th, 2020, in the wake of the police killing of George Floyd. And they absolutely openly admitted that they were making the change because they felt like there might be racist connotations to the name the Dixie Chicks, and that the George Floyd killing was an eye-opener, and they couldn't support that anymore. 
oh, okay, but before this, it was perfectly fine to go around with what you knew was a name with racist connotations. Additionally, upon announcing the change of their name to the Chicks, horrible name, by the way, they also released a song and a video called March March, which is all about civil rights and equality. Now, not that I have an issue with that, but it also kind of seems like the fact that the Dixie Chicks changed their name to the Chicks, made a big public announcement about it on the heels of the George Floyd killing, you know, kind of stealing the spotlight off the actual discussion to say, oh, look at us and how sensitive we are, and then released a new song. I don't know. Kind of seems like a little bit of a money grab, if you ask me. A little bit too planned and calculated to have all of this happen at once. Wasn't just a name change to try and support being less racist. But, oh, by the way, we got uh, something you can go download or watch on YouTube, which we are going to profit off hand over fist. I'm sure black people were so grateful to these white country girls for profiting off of the struggle of black Americans and police brutality. Yes, I am speaking sarcastically. Man, are you tired of using hand lotion during your masturbation processes, leaving your penis silky smooth, indistinguishable from a baby's bottom? Well, fear no more with our new granulated jacking powder from Jeffson and Jeffson. Jack powder. With our proprietary formula, made up of ground stones, gravel, and sand, we guarantee that in every jacking session, you will remove at least the first three layers of skin from your penis. Jack powder. Leave those worries of a silky smooth penis behind with the new and improved granulated jack powder from Jeffson and Jeffson. Side effects may include bleeding, rash, irritation, pain, vomiting, loss of penis sensitivity, loss of skin, loss of life. Do not use if you're allergic to granulated jack powder. Consult your physician to find out if granulated jack powder is right for you. Jack powder. Earlier, I kind of mentioned when discussing the history and the origin of Labor Day, I kept referencing slavery. And, well, the reason being is because the whole Labor Day thing started not that long after slavery had been abolished. And essentially, for the previous 250 years, all the hard labor was being done by these unpaid slaves. And then now, all of a sudden, we got to start doing some work. Let's pat ourselves on the back and celebrate. Even though at that time, the contribution to the development and growth in the United States was actually probably more due to the slaves and not to just the average white worker or slave owner. So let's talk about Juneteenth in comparison to Labor Day. So Juneteenth, I'm going to be honest, when Juneteenth happened this year, I'm like, what the hell is Juneteenth? I didn't know what it was, when it was supposed to happen. And then when I found out that it had to do with the emancipation of the slaves, I felt like a white piece of shit. Like, well, why? wow, how did I not know about this? But after doing research for the show, I do feel a little better about finding out that Juneteenth was only first federally recognized last year in 2021. So it's not like this is something that's been going on for years and years and years and somehow my white ass just didn't pay attention or somehow completely missed it. And just so you know, Juneteenth is celebrated on June 19th because it is celebrating the day that slaves learned of their emancipation on June 19th, 1865. However, let me point out that the abolishment of slavery was passed by Congress on January 31st, 1865. What? Why did it take five months to send out the memo to the slaves of something as important as their freedom? That seems kind of fucked up. They put in 
in like an extra five months of work that they didn't have to. Congress had already passed it. So it's weird that we're celebrating when they found out, not when it was actually passed in Congress. Also want to point out that June 19th, or I'm sorry, Juneteenth, same thing, but it is not a typical paid day off for the average employee. And some might say, well, it's kind of a celebration of a specific race within our society. Maybe everyone shouldn't have that day off. Well, everyone sure as shit is getting the day off for Martin Luther King Day. So go on corporate America, start handing out days off for Juneteenth. Let's celebrate the actual laborers that helped to establish this country leading up to just 20 years before Labor Day was created. So we're going to go through some basic stereotypes. I know this is going to sting some people. And a lot of this is based on research. It's not just my personal perspectives or my personal experiences and stereotypes that I would apply to people. Although I will say I would agree with a lot of these as being a stereotype, not agreeing with them as being applicable and true to every single person that falls under this characteristic. But anyway, let's start with gender. So gender stereotypes. I know Gender, that's a dirty word. There's more than just boys and girls out there, Jeff. All right, let's just stick to boys and girls for the sake of this discussion. So from a gender perspective, it is a stereotype that boys are going to be more masculine and more dominant and girls are going to be more feminine and more submissive. Like, let's look at the toys that parents buy for boys versus what they buy for girls. Girls typically get baby dolls and strollers, things that are pink, princesses, unicorns. Boys typically get army soldiers, transformers, things of destruction, things of dominance. Footballs, baseballs, baseball gloves, things of sports. Speaking of which, like sports are another aspect that is a stereotype for gender. You don't expect most girls to go and start playing football or baseball. Girls play softball. <laughs> Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Now, this is not necessarily true. I mean, I'm not saying that girls aren't capable of playing the same sports, but are they capable of playing the same sport at the same level of the male species? And in many cases, no. But that's just genetics. I mean, that's just biological makeup. It's nothing against women, but it goes, you know, back to that whole controversial thing about the transgendered I don't woman. I, I don't remember the terminology. A man that turned into a woman, kind of and started swimming in swim races, basically with a man's body, competing against women and breaking every fucking record that any woman in that sport has ever set. Wow, she's fast, living up to her name early. Raced out about eight or ten lengths in front of here. Over tig along water, then Gracie's joined wizardry things off around the outer, followed by Spray on Billy, then Audencia. Wow, she's fast a minute clear. They must be 15 or 20 lengths in front. The others all jam up, and wow, she's fast is going to win by a minute. Well, of course, because with the man's body. Biology matters. You can go find more information about this on previous episodes. Not going to go down that road again. 
So I ran out into the garage, shut the door. I could see the one main spider up above the door. There was another slightly smaller spider above the door, but off to the side. There were two or three more behind the screen on the wall. And I grabbed a broom and I just started attacking them with the bristles of the broom. You know, they're dropping and I'm hoping that I'm killing them. Some of them I'm trying to smush between a screen door and a wall. And then I kind of used the broom to sweep out all of the webbing. I unpropped the screen door and saw that there was a bunch of like those little balls of webbing that you assume are like spider eggs that were all behind this one edge of the panel for my garage door opener. So I swept all of that out. I found more of what looked like spider eggs underneath one of the steps going up from my garage into the house. So I swept all of that out. I'm like, okay, at least now they don't have a place to hang out. But that was also like a protector for me because if there was a spider on the wall above the door where they like to hang out, they're not going to jump down on my head as I'm going in or out of the house because there's webbing there that they would land in the webbing. Now I've removed all of that webbing. Son of a bitch. So the next day I go out into the garage to leave the house and sure enough there is a spider on the door. There's another big spider that's now climbed back up above the doorway and there's another spider between the screen door and the sidewall. So clearly I didn't kill them all. Once again I attack them with the broom. I try and kill them all. Essentially it took me about three days to where I'm at the point now where I feel like I have killed all the spiders and I have not seen one in about 48 hours. And yeah, I feel a little bad that I'm killing spiders that I know were trying to be helpful and probably would never have hurt me. But like I said, I got to protect little Miss Gooby McGill. And to be honest, I'm not, you know, like a fan of spiders. I would never just purposefully let a spider crawl on me, even if I knew it wasn't going to hurt me, just because, well, that creeps me out. The last really weird old job that I want to discuss is someone that was called a flatulist. And yes, it's exactly what it sounds like. It was someone that was used to entertain crowds with their farts and their ability to pretty much fart on demand. In fact, some of them were considered to be like celebrities because of their talent. One of these major massive flatulist celebrities was called Roland the Farter. And he was well known for performing for King Henry II's royal court every single year. And after several years of doing these performances, King Henry II was so impressed with Roland the Farter's abilities that he gifted him 30 acres of land in a giant manor to live in. So now let's switch over to Mr. Joe Biden, the current president of the United States. His net worth, $9 million. Oh, Joe. That's it? Not doing so well, Joe. Who's managing your money, Hunter? Not sure if that sound effect translated, but that was me attempting to imply that Hunter is snorting all of Biden's riches away. 
So let's look at Biden's income every year as the president of the United States. He starts out with a base salary of $400,000 a year. Additionally, he gets $50,000 of an expense allowance, $100,000 non-taxable travel allowance. I like how, you know, non-taxable, let's just throw that in there. Free money. And $19,000 a year for entertainment. That's a lot of strippers, Joe. Now, yes, I know every president gets this. I'm sure the vice president has an allowance similar but smaller. I was in the pool! I was in the pool! But $19,000 a year for entertainment? What? So right now that all adds up to $569,000 a year that we the taxpayers are paying for Mr. Joe Biden, who has a net worth already of $9 million to be president of the United States. In addition to that salary, because he's older than death, he also receives a pension from his years as a civil servant. I mean, can you really be allowed to receive a pension even though you came out of retirement? I thought that was for people who were no longer on the job and accepting a salary. But between his Social Security benefits, taking more from the American public's pocket, and his pension, that's another $250,000 a year that he's bringing in. So do the rough math. We're looking at close to... $820,000 a year that's going into Biden's bank account. That's a lot for him to take naps. And you know he's always talking about how unfair it is and how the rich are evil people. They need to be taxed more heavily. Why don't you tell them what Exxon's profits were this year, this quarter? Exxon made more money than God this year. Exxon, start investing, start paying your taxes. Matter of fact, recently, I want to say just maybe in the last couple days, he said something to the effect that gas stations need to drop their prices. He's saying this because he had boasted that the price of gas and oil was going down, and it did a little bit, not anywhere close to where it was before he took office, but it's starting to creep back up because the Band-Aid solution that he used did not work long term. And now he is expecting gas gas station owners to cut into their profits and their ability to survive as a business by just simply saying, you know what? I know typically we would charge $3.70 a gallon. We're just going to charge $3 and lose $0.70 cents for every fucking gallon that every person pumps at this gas station. Biden, you're a fucking moron if you think that's how business works. You're a fucking moron if you think you're being relatable to Americans with all of your riches and your $820,000 of annual income and you want these gas station owners to take a hit. Don't think they haven't already taken a hit because of the fact that with gas prices going through the roof during your presidency that a lot of people were choosing to drive less and buy less gas. And don't worry, I'm going to discuss plenty of Republicans on this list. I think plenty of Republicans out there are complete morons as well. Consult your doctor. Have your blood pressure checked. High blood pressure is simple to detect and it can be controlled. Left unchecked, it can lead to some of the big killers. Strokes, heart failure, kidney trouble. Don't let high blood pressure threaten your health. Get a checkup today. Remember, your good health begins with you.
All right, so these three boats set sail early August 1492. Not far from the coast of Spain, they made a pit stop at a very familiar set of islands, the Canary Islands. They restocked on their provisions, made repairs that they needed to make to their boats, and then set sail again on September 6th of 1492, which would then be followed by five straight weeks in the ocean. Very difficult five straight weeks, mind you. The crew, they were about ready to mutiny. Columbus knew this, and he was almost ready to call the whole thing off. Like potatoes, and I like potatoes. You like tomatoes, and I like tomato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Oh, let's call the whole thing off. Turn the ships around and try and head back to Spain, or at least to the Canary Islands. And because of his poor navigation, Prince Henry the Navigator, he was not. They had no idea when or if they were going to hit land in the direction they were going. However, right before Columbus made the decision to turn things around, on October 7th, some of the crew members spotted a large flock of birds, which might indicate that they were close to land. On October 11th, Columbus decided to change their course, heading due west and just kind of under the hunch that land was close or imminent. And around 2 a.m. that following morning, land was finally spotted. Land ho! And Columbus had found America. Wait. Nope, not America. He had found the Bahamas. Afternoon delight. Cocktails and that dreamy look in your eye Give me a tropical contact high Way down in Cobra Now, the island of Bahamas was already populated with natives and locals who at the time referred to the island by name as Guanahani. But Columbus was like, yeah, fuck that. I'm going to name it San Salvador, which means holy savior. So let me read to you a journal entry from October 12th that would end up kind of being a letter that goes back to his investors, the Spanish monarchs. And I'm just going to read this. I've removed a few words just to make it more concise, but otherwise this is verbatim. I saw someone who had wounds on their bodies, and they made us signs asking what they were, and they showed me how people from the other islands came there and tried to take them, and how they defended themselves. I believe they came here to take them captive. They should be good and intelligent servants, for I see that they say very quickly everything that is said to them, and I believe that they would become Christians very easily, for it seems to me that they had no religion. The time of my departure, I will take a six of them, from here to your highnesses, in order that they may learn to speak. Yes, that's a Horrible Italian accent. All that to say that Columbus was a total bag of shit. He's making it sound like, oh, these poor natives have been constantly attacked by people trying to take over their island. So I'm going to go ahead and grab six of them and bring them back with me to be servants. Also, let's go ahead and just make new Christians out of them. Also, in addition to deciding to just willy-nilly change the name of their island to San Salvador, I don't know how it ended up becoming Bahamas, I didn't look that up. Do some homework, people. But he also started referring to the natives as Los Indios, which is the Spanish word for Indians. <laughs> which may have made sense because he had been searching for the East Indies and clearly did not know where he was. So now all of a sudden, you know, the word Indians, that's such a bad word, oh, and anything oh other than Native Americans is wholly offensive. But that was basically started by Christopher Columbus. Can I do that? Yeah! 
because of a total misrepresentation of bad navigation. And then essentially that term was applied to any native or indigenous people on any other piece of land that were found thereafter. So for all of you thin-skinned, butthurt people that don't like the fact that a team is called the Cleveland Indians or the Atlanta Braves or anything Washington Redskins, and you think that's horribly atrocious, maybe you should not celebrate Columbus Day. Now I am, I am too hurt. I, I am shocked and, and offended and, and hurt. <laughs> So up to this point, the UN nations, including America, they've been pretty standoffish in how much support and help we offer to Ukraine. We don't really want to get involved because we know that it is essentially going to be a declaration of war against Russia. And we know that a declaration of war against Russia, well, that pretty much signals World War III, nuclear war. Wouldn't you prefer a good game of chess? All right, so how serious is Putin about his nuclear threats? Well, I will tell you that Russia's Belgorod, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, it's a submarine and it recently disappeared from its Arctic harbor where it normally stays, or at least where it's been since July. Now, this submarine carries what known to be a doomsday weapon known as Poseidon that Russia has claimed is capable of creating a radioactive tsunami. Any of this sound like science fiction to you guys? A radioactive tsunami. That's fucked up. So the actual inventor or creator of the atomic bomb is considered to be a man by the name of Robert Oppenheimer. But let's rewind. In 1939, scientists around the world learned that German physicists had figured out how to split a uranium atom. Oh. This was scary, because they're like, oh no, what are they going to do with that? And around this time, Einstein had fled Nazi Germany and come to the United States. And upon learning about Germany's discovery, he wrote a letter to President Roosevelt urging for the development of an atomic research program, because he was totally wigged out that Germans might soon be able to build an atomic weapon. Roosevelt wasn't totally convinced, but he was willing to put a little bit of money into it and do it very quietly. Finally, by late 1941, the project was given its code name in the government, known as, which you may have heard, the Manhattan Project. So now flash forward to December 1942, a scientist Enrico Fermi, an Italian man who, just like Einstein leaving Nazi Germany, had fled fascist Italy. That's us! I see, meet the ball! He led a group of physicists to produce the first controlled nuclear chain reaction. And let me tell you, this first nuclear chain reaction happened, not making this shit up, under the grandstands of Stag Field at the University of Chicago. So, yes, nuclear chain reactions were discovered amidst a littering of old popcorn, candy wrappers, and ticket stubs. Hot dog here! Hot dog! Colossal hot dog! Here's where we bring Oppenheimer back into the picture. He was the one who led the facility in Los Alamos to develop the science into the first atomic bomb. 
Finally, by the summer of 1945, they felt, hey, we've got something we think we can test. And on July 16, 1945, the first atomic bomb test took place near Alamogordo, New Mexico. Hoping I got that right. Now, technically, the bomb was not dropped, but was actually affixed atop a 100-foot tower and was detonated by a controlled device. And, of course, you had a ton of scientists and representatives of the facility that were there on hand to watch from a safe distance the detonation of the first test of an atomic bomb. And they were not prepared for what was about to happen. Upon detonation, the bomb created a blinding flash that was visible for, get this, 200 miles. That's us. That means if the bomb was set off in Columbus, Ohio, where I live, people in Cleveland would have been able to see the flash. It generated a mushroom cloud that reached 40,000 feet. If you're not sure how high 40,000 feet is, that is the maximum certified altitude for pretty much all commercial airliners. That is the highest they can actually fly. Yes, we have other planes, jets that can go higher than that. I'm speaking about commercial airliners. Stay with me. The Blast blew out windows of civilian homes up to 100 miles away. That is a long distance. It also left a crater in the earth despite being propped up on a 100-foot tower that was a half mile wide and actually turned the sand into glass. Inconceivable! Yes, it caused the sand below the blast site to undergo a metamorphosis into glass. That's pretty cool. It's freaky, but it's pretty cool. Alright, I know I said earlier I'm going to discuss fission versus fusion. Maybe you forgot I even brought that up because it's a very nerdy thing. But I'm going to discuss it anyway. I just want to explain the difference between weapons that we had then and the weapons that we have now. So the older weapons and maybe some of the current weapons that are just a little less powerful use fission. And this is what would be used in what's considered a nuclear or an atomic bomb. So basically with fission, the atoms in uranium or plutonium are split into small smaller atoms, and with E equals MC squared, creates a pretty nasty blast. Now fusion, well, boy, this one's a little bigger. Fusion is used in what are considered to be thermonuclear or hydrogen bombs, different from atomic or nuclear bombs. And in this process, the atoms of uranium or plutonium are actually fused into larger atoms. A lot of times, it actually goes back and forth between fission and fusion. It's this, it happens so fast. That's the whole E equals MC squared, C being the speed of light squared. It's so fast that things are happening before other things can happen, creating fission, fusion, fission, fusion, fission fusion. Now that I say that, that sounds like a cool seafood restaurant. Come on down to Fish and Fusion. We infuse fish in everything you're gonna eat. You like french fries? How about I infuse some crab into it? You like cheesecake? I'm gonna infuse a little bit of tilapia. You're welcome. So come on down to Fish and Fusion.
Another reason to lie would be to protect oneself from physical harm. So an example of that would be like you're about to get raped and you yell out, wait, I have AIDS. Okay, that's a horrible example. Although that would be technically a lie that someone could tell to protect oneself from physical harm. Another reason is to gain admiration of others. So tall tales, stretching the truth, making yourself sound to be more successful, more accomplished, whatever. But in order to get other people to think, wow, look at him. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. (laughs) Also, you can lie to get out of an awkward situation or a social situation. Hey, do you want to go to the movies with me tonight? Oh, sorry, I have to wash my hair. Yes, back in the day, in the old days, using the excuse, I have to wash my hair, was considered to be common, or at least in movies and TV shows, to get out of having to go on a date with someone you didn't want to date. Now, you guys all know I'm not a big fan of social interaction, going out, doing things with people, but typically most of the people that I know know that I don't like that stuff, so I don't really lie to get out of things. I will instead find things that I absolutely need to be doing and I will do those things that will keep me occupied or I'll just straight up say, yeah, I don't want to do that. Give me the honor of going with the best looking guy in school. Yeah, well, I'm busy. Yeah, doing what? Washing my hair. Oh, that's about as funny as a screen door on a battleship. Another reason people would lie would be to avoid embarrassment, like, no, I didn't just piss myself, I spilled water on my pants in the crotchal region. Yes, I'm sure there's a slew of other examples. Man, my examples really suck tonight. So now let's talk about what we might call white lies or polite lies. An example of this would be telling someone something that you disagree with internally to spare their feelings or boost their self-esteem. Like, no, those jeans don't make you look fat. Or, yeah, I really do like your new haircut. Or, this is delicious. Or, oh, your baby or your child is so cute or adorable. Let's be honest. When a baby comes out of a mom's vag, they all pretty much look like undercooked rodents. They're not cute. Is it me or was that the ugliest baby? you have ever seen. Even when I look at, you know, the brand new newborn pictures of my own children, I mean, they're cute to me because it's a life that I helped to create, but they look like wrinkly old hairless cats. So generally, white lies are considered to be relatively acceptable in society, but is this really the best approach? I mean, if you think about it, we're kind of training people to be more easily offended by giving them these white lies. So now we're going to talk about some famous historical lies. First off, we'll start out with George Washington. Speaking of lies, we all know the story of George Washington chopping down a cherry tree. And when being confronted by his father, he said, Father, I cannot tell a lie. I cut down that cherry tree. But the fact is that never actually happened. That was just a made up fabricated story by a writer in an attempt to illustrate the president's virtues. While we're on the topic of George Washington, well, you've always been been told that he was the first president of the United States. That is a lie. What? Sorry, but actually he was the 15th president of the United States. Now, he was the first president to be elected by the people, but there were 14 previous people, including John Hancock, who served as president of the United States. They were just appointed to that role, not voted by the people. 
And the first time that they tried to admit a polygraph test into evidence in court was in 1923, but was immediately dismissed by the courts as experimental, not proven, and invalid. A lot of detective tests determined that was a lie. Currently, all these years later, a polygraph test only has about an 87% accuracy rating. So what that means is for every 100 people undergoing a polygraph test, 13 of them are either perceived to be telling the truth while they're lying or are perceived to be lying while actually telling the truth. It's not a very good record when it comes to putting people in prison for possibly life. And for that reason, it's still not admissible pretty much in court systems across the United States. But also keep in mind that some people might just be so uncomfortable by the procedure of the polygraph test that it could cause physiological changes to their body chemistry. It could cause their heart rate to go up. Like, I worry about this every time I go to get my blood pressure checked at a doctor. Granted, it's been years since I've had insurance and have actually had to do this. But when they put that cuff on my arm, I start to worry, oh no, is my blood pressure going to be high and now I'm starting to worry oh no because I'm worrying is that going to make my blood pressure higher than it's supposed to be and give me a false reading and it just becomes a vicious cycle so that is absolutely possible when it comes to polygraph tests And some of you might be wondering, well, Jeff, how do you enjoy paranormal movies? Because you don't believe in ghosts. Oh, well, oh the God. same way that I can enjoy a movie about time travel or Star Wars or Westworld, at least the early seasons, or Game of Thrones, uh, at least the early seasons, I can enjoy a movie about the paranormal without having to believe it, as long as the filmmaker does a good job of convincing me that the shit is real for the next two hours. Before moving on, let me tell you some things I hate in horror movies. Instead of listing the horror movies that I think suck balls, I'm going to list the things I hate in horror movies. This is going to cover a lot of them. Cliches like, you know, the black person dying first or a virgin surviving. I'm not a big fan of people who attempt to create twists just for the sake of twists. Oh, I love a good twist, but I don't want so many twists through the movie trying to throw me off the scent that by the time the final finger quotes twist is revealed that I'm like, oh yeah, I saw that coming 87 minutes ago before your first of 47 twists. Also, not a big fan of just cheap jump scares in a horror movie. I like the tension. I like feeling like I don't know what's going to happen and I jump just because my body is releasing tension, not because something jumped out into the screen purposefully to scare me. Maybe that's the same reason I'm not a big fan of the haunted houses that people pay to go to during Halloween season. That's all jump scare. That's all that is. Constant jump scare. Jump scare. Jump scare. Jump scare. Jump scare. Don't like it. Not for me. But the last time that I got sick would have been in late February of 2020. Sound like a familiar time? Oh. I had just gotten off a cruise. Oh, I wonder if it was COVID, Jeff. Yeah, I wonder. Probably. Now, late February 2020, everyone was like, well, COVID is not in the U.S. yet. No one has anything to worry about. That's why they were still allowing people to go on cruises. But I will tell you that I was laid up for almost a week, and it was bad. And it was a lot different than my sinus infections. Of course, back then, because no one really expected that COVID was in America. Where at least I know I'm free. 
There were no tests. There was no treatments. There was nothing COVID-related. So I just had to literally sweat it out. So let me tell you about this particular sinus infection. You're welcome. So I don't know, again, like five, six days ago, I started to feel, eh, a little sniffly from time to time, certain times of the day. By Saturday, I woke up, I felt like I had a little sinus drainage in my chest, maybe a little light cough in the morning. Then Sunday morning, I woke up, a little bit extra drainage, nothing major, but I coughed a few times and I got some chunky stuff up. (coughs) And I was like, all right, I'm gonna be proactive before this turns into a full-blown sinus infection. And I couldn't take any of the medicine that I had in my house because since it had been years since I had had anything, all of the medicine that I had in my house was expired. So Sunday I went out to be proactive and I bought a sinus medicine, daytime medicine, and NyQuil. Again, other than a little stuffiness, I seemed perfectly fine Sunday and Sunday night. I woke up Monday and apparently at some point during the night Sunday, my sinuses had a private meeting and said, all right, gents, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go from sniffles and coughs to full-blown sinus infection. And we're going to fuck his life up for at least the next three days. And luckily the school was very limited on Monday, so I only had two hours worth of lessons because that was trick-or-treat. So we basically closed the school early. By the time I was done with my last lesson, I was starting to feel chills, like shivery chills. And I'm like, I just got to get home. Went home. By the time I went to bed Monday night, my temperature was just over 103. So pretty high. I was already guessing that there's a good chance I'm not going to school tomorrow because I know what the CDC guidelines are. You should not report to work, especially if you're working around children, if you haven't been free of a fever for at least 24 hours. And at this point, because it was Monday night and I needed to be at the school at 4 o'clock the next afternoon, there was no way in hell I was going to pass that 24-hour test. But I'm like, who knows, maybe I'll have a total just breaking fevers left and right in the night, and I'll wake up just, this is my miserable day, and I'm going to wake up feeling better. My sleep that night was awful, so let's start out with the fact that before I went to bed, I took a shot of NyQuil just to help me get through the night with as minimal stuffiness and coughing as possible. And as I'm setting my phone on the charger next to my bed, I had a couple coughs. Nothing major, just like a... (coughs) But it was kind of a powerful cough, and the second of the two coughs started to create this feeling of, I'm going to throw up. And I'm inching my way towards my bathroom thinking, all right, this isn't going to turn out well, but I'm trying to, I stop. I'm like, I'm not going to go in the bathroom. I'm going to force myself to push this back down because I just took NyQuil. If I throw it up, I'm just, there's no way it's in my system yet. But 30 seconds later, I had to run into the bathroom, spent the next several minutes just throwing up NyQuil or basically dry heaving because I'd barely eaten that day. But my sleep Monday night was awful. I mean, chills like you wouldn't believe, skin sensitivity, heat like you wouldn't believe under the covers, despite the chills, needing to blow my nose or cough and spit into a cup. I have no idea how often that happened, but it sure felt like it was like maybe every 10 to 15 minutes. So not a restful sleep. All right. Thank you. I am looking forward to next week with the 100th episode, special episode of Jeff Becomes Jeff. Thank you for continuing to tune in. 
in, and I hope everybody has a very happy and safe Thanksgiving weekend. Until next time, I'm Jeff. And uh, I look down, <laughs> and you're just running in circles <laughs> with this huge mob of zombies, <laughs> and you're just screaming, help, help, help. <laughs> and I'm like, turn around and shoot them. And you're like, I don't have ammo. So I just threw a bunch of grenades, and then I, you saw me throwing grenades, so you're like, oh, smart. So you throw a grenade, and you downed yourself. <laughs> That sounds about right. <laughs> and I'm Jeff. Geez, now that hoser's growling. Yeah. Take off, will you? We're doing our movie. Don't wreck our show, you hoser. Good night. <laughs>